All right, we're live. Episode three, Highline Hunter podcast. And this will be the first episode that I'm actually not hosting by myself. So I've got two friends of mine here with me. We got Adam, we got Brendan, and they're two guys that I talk to quite often about hunting in general, just for tips and tactics, because they're super knowledgeable. They've been hunting forever. Um, I still consider myself to be a relatively new hunter. I'd say 10 years rifle hunting and probably eight or nine years bow hunting. So these guys have a lot of experience. They've hunted all over the country and they have a lot of experience. So what we're going to talk about today is Western game hunting with antelope, uh, specifically archery and tactics on how to be successful with your archery antelope hunt. So I'm just going to ask Adam to introduce himself real quick. Just uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, about your hunting background, when you started, where you started, and how you've improved yourself since you were a kid. I'm Adam. Uh, I guess I started hunting when I was 12, so going on 24 years now. I've been bow hunting and hunting everything. I grew up in Pennsylvania doing the whitetail stuff, and now I've been in Montana for 11 years. Shut. 10 antelope, bucks with my bow. Shot one with a rifle in Wyoming. It's the first thing you look forward to every year after summer's over. So we're about to kick off here in two days. Probably won't get to hunt for a while. It's going to be tough. It's super dry this year. Yeah. All my water holes are dry. I just got a lead on one. Buddy got me permission. Brendan's sitting here. So got to get a blind out. Hopefully that works out. How many have you killed with a bow? Ten. Yeah, so you'd be the guy to go to when it comes to being successful. Uh, Brendan, introduce yourself. Well, I'm Brendan. I guess I've been hunting for since I was about 12 years old down in Texas, New Mexico. That's when I kind of kicked off my hunting. Oh, I'm in my mid-40s. I'm not a mathematician, but <clears throat> I'll let you do the math. I... Uh, Picked up the bow in about 2007. Killed my first elk that year in New Mexico. And I, I don't even know how many antelope I've killed over the years. Uh, growing up in northeastern New Mexico, there were tons of antelope. Um, so, I don't know. I've lost count. Mostly with the rifle. Really, when I moved to Montana about six years ago is when I really started chasing antelope with the bow. Uh, what do you prefer? Rifle or bow hunting? I think I'm a I'm a glutton for punishment. So the harder, the harder the hunt, the more I enjoy it. So I yeah. prefer the bow <clears throat> over the rifle. I'd I'd say in general I I like both. I fell in love with both, but bow hunting is, that that'll take precedence. I'll spend more time bow hunting than I will rifle hunting. And I don't know if that's just because it's a it's easier per se. You know, each has its challenges and its limitations, but just how close you have to get to an animal you have to do everything perfect in order to capitalize and take an animal when a, with a bow whereas you could screw up a lot with a rifle you could bump them you could chase them you could have a really bad shot and still kill the animal you know last year i i screwed up a an eight yard shot on a on a buck with my bow i hit it and i didn't kill it and you know that's a that's a that's a crappy feeling, but <clears throat> the rush that I get from bow hunting 
way more than sitting behind a rifle from three, four hundred yards away. Uh, yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, these two guys, like I said, they're, they're good buddies of mine. I've known them for a few years now, and I've probably annoyed the shit out of them with the amount of questions that I ask. I agree with that as well. Yes. <laughs> I ask questions not only once, but sometimes two or three times, because this time of year, I just, that's all I think about is hunting. It's getting the bow out, it's practicing, it's trying to shed a few extra pounds to be lighter on my feet when I'm out there hunting, scouting, everything. And I I can't just talk to the wife about it nonstop, so I have to talk to you guys about it. Um, so we'll get we'll get into it with uh, pronghorn antelope hunting. Like you said, the season starts in two days here in Montana for archery, and we... Well, you don't have it, do you, Brendan, the tag? The no, this tag? is the first year I have not drawn a tag. I'm a little perplexed because archery antelope is usually a surplus tag in, in Montana. And I don't know if everybody's getting into the bow game, but yeah, I, this really. is the first year I have not not drawn a tag. And I think 5,600 tags, they usually, everybody puts in for rifle and then buys that as a surplus. Yeah. It's not the case anymore. Well, and speaking of that, that's kind of the reason why I wanted to start this podcast was because of how many new hunters are out there. Um, even people coming in from other states to hunt in Montana. You know, I wish I had somebody to talk to more about hunting when I was learning. I pretty much figured it out on my own. I had a couple guys that, that showed me the ropes. But, you know, my brother, for instance, he just started hunting last year. He came out here for his Montana buck tag. And... You know, I had to teach him a lot of stuff about just stalking an animal and getting in close and things you don't even think about, like like wind and the time of day and all these little things. Just shooting the rifle, trigger work, finding your target after you shot, things like that. So that's kind of the idea of this podcast is to talk to guys that are maybe a little bit less experienced. You know, a lot of the podcasts that I listen to for hunting, the popular ones... It's not that they don't have good information. They have great information. But I think that they kind of focus on a very niche group of individuals. A lot of the stuff I listen to is backcountry. Uh, a lot of hunts that I'll never go on or have the opportunity to go on. Whereas I think what I'd like, I, ideally I'd like to help out the newer hunter or the less experienced hunter. So that's, that's kind of why I started the podcast. Um, so... But yeah, so <clears throat> with antelope hunting, the one thing that I've noticed over the, the years, I've only archery hunted for antelope one year, and I, I've rifle hunted for three. So I've, I've been successful three out of the four years. This will be my fifth season, my second time with a bow. The one thing that I've noticed with antelope this time of year is finding the water, like you said. But Montana's been in a drought for how long? Two months? A month yeah. and a half, at least. And the watering holes are drying up. So right now, you pretty much just have to find the water and find the food. Those are the two things they're going to need. Um, when you do find the water, Adam, that's pretty much all you hunt off of, correct? You're more of a stand or blind hunter now with antelope? Yeah, about the last five years, I've really focused on finding water. And if you can find the only water source within a couple miles, it's, it's a long day. I'll put cameras out, but they'll hit it anywhere from daylight till dark. 
So I've spent a lot of 12, 14 hour days in the blind. But if the cameras are active and I know they're gonna show up eventually, I don't mind sitting there all day. Last year it was 97 degrees. I missed one at eight o'clock in the morning and then I killed one at like one in the afternoon. So I made it a longer day than it needed to be. And that shot was 20 yards at it best? It was like 23, I think. Yeah. That video is up on YouTube. We'll put the link in the description on the Instagram channel, but that's a good one to watch. <clears throat> the, I'm kind of the opposite. <clears throat> I it drives me nuts to sit for 14 hours a day. That's usually my backup. So I will put a blind out and cameras and might sit in it till noonish or whatever, but I get real antsy. I've never been a tree stand hunter, so I'm, I'm a big on the spot and stock game. Mm -hmm. So when I get bored, I'll get out and find the antelope and put in stocks. Comes down to the last few days of the season, and I'm sitting over that water hole all day until I do harvest something. That's if if I can suggest anything, it's find water and sit if you want to be successful. I uh, I get really bored easy, so yeah. And I love to spot and stock antelope. So if if nothing else, I've had fun that day. But uh, as the season's starting to wind down, I have no problem with sitting in that blind. Yeah, I. You know, with Montana hunting, it's spot and stalk for rifle and archery. There's really only a few areas that have tree stands. You know, when we go to the breaks to hunt elk, sometimes you'll see tree stands down there by the river. I don't I don't think I've ever seen tree stands out in the National Forests up in, like, the Rocky Mountains. Um, but, yeah, it's, so it's – I've never tree stand hunted. There's a couple tree stands at one of the block managements up this way that I tried to sit in last year and that i think i made it 10 15 minutes at most i just couldn't sit still like you i i have to move if i'm not seeing animals in 10 15 minutes i had to move so i don't know how the guys back on the east coast do it yeah. and then in like michigan and minnesota sit in a tree stand and wait all day but with antelope it's a little different only because they sit in the middle of a cut field for the most part right you know yeah in the middle of a prairie. Yeah, they use their eyeballs. Like I said, I grew up doing the tree stand thing forever, and I got tired of it. I'd never had the patience to do it. My dad, to this day, can sit in a tree stand from dark to dark, and he's successful, but my first five or six years out here, I went hog wild just with the spot and stock thing because I didn't have to sit. You'd sit in glass and then go, but after a few years, a bunch of years of doing that, I kind of figured out antelope are the hardest thing to stock. Their eyeballs are incredible. You stick your head up at all on a stock, and they're going to see you. So I just, I don't know if it's age or getting lazy, but I much prefer to, when I can, sit on a water hole. It just, I don't know, it ups my odds. Yeah. Well, if you've got cameras and you've got access to a watering hole, you can kind of, do they tend to come around the same time every day or is it hit or miss? It seems hit or miss. I, I try to look at my cameras and see that and it seems like all throughout the day. They'll be there a lot at first light and then it's sporadic all day long, all the way till dark. It's really random. Yeah, I see them, you know, this past, I'd say, three or four weeks, we've had 90 degrees and above almost every day. It's hot. And, you know, I've been scouting over the last few days. I've seen a couple near water, but really the only times that I've seen them coming out from water or going to has been in the morning or late at night towards the last couple hours of daylight. Throughout the afternoon, they just... I've just seen them in the middle of a cut field, in the middle of the prairie, 
and it, you try to play the terrain when you spot and stalk, but realistically, there's not a lot of terrain to really use as your cover when they're in the middle of a, let's say, a cut pea field or something like that. It's relatively flat. So I, I bought that decoy. Ultimate Predator makes that antelope buck decoy. I mean, it looks good, and I, the last time that I archery hunted antelope, I was too cheap to buy one. They're like 60, 70 bucks probably. I took a piece of cardboard and I cut out a frontal view of an antelope buck and I spray painted it. I spray painted little black horns. I spray painted a white chest. I cut out the hole in the middle of the cardboard where I could slide my arrow and my sight through and threw it on in front of my bow. And I went out, found a group of, of antelope. It was a, one buck with maybe six or seven does. And I threw that thing up from 200 yards away. And that buck came flying in. But that was towards the end of September probably, which is, I believe that's their rut. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mid-September, yep. late September. So he's trying to protect his, like, would it be considered a harem? Yeah. For yeah. goats? <clears throat> he's trying to keep the does with him. I throw this thing out. Now, I missed the shot. He came in 30 or 40 yards. And you put one of those decoys on the front of your bow, and there's wind. It's going to be a hard day. You haven't practiced. I think it was probably anywhere from 20 to 25 mile an hour crosswind. And when I drew back and shot, I just watched that arrow just drift away in the wind. Found it about 50 yards behind him, pointing straight down into the dirt. I feel like you had a sail on the front of your boat. Oh, it was awful. I, I could not. In a crosswind, it's one thing if it's against you or behind you because you're still kind of staying on target. But that crosswind is just blowing to the side. You can't stay level. You can't stay on target. It was pretty. It was pretty difficult. So that's really the only experience that I had archery hunting. And, and the decoy worked. So I'm hoping that it's going to work this year because, like I said, I, I don't want to have to tree stand or blind hunt. Unfortunately, I think that might be the way it's going to have to go up until their rut because that's when they're going to come in and try to fend off any other intruders from their harem. One time I've had a whole lot of luck with decoys this later in the season. Yeah. Seems like early season you throw a decoy up and they round up their ladies and they're gone. Yeah. They're, it seems like there's a week to ten days there where it's it's on fire. Mm -hmm. where you can get them to come running from a long ways. Mm -hmm. Especially, it's kind of like calling elk. If you can get within their comfort zone, if you can somehow crawl within 150 yards and throw yeah. that thing up, a lot of times that buck will come running. The first one I ever shot, he came running so hard he didn't want to stop. And then me and you had one do that too, yeah. where he had to go through a dip, and we didn't know where he was going to come up, and he came up right on top of us. I remember that year throwing a decoy up, and I was surprised at how hard he came <laughs> yeah. in. And then he disappeared for a minute through a little dip, and he was right on top of you when he came out yeah. of that thing. When he... Have you guys ever tried the be the decoy, the hat? Mm -mm. I think that's what it's called, right? So I had a buddy uh, in New Mexico, and... There was a couple of us chasing the same antelope. He was a monster. I'm, I'm not a trophy hunter by any means. I, I kind of find that all the animals tend to taste the same. And uh, during this time, I you know I was feeding a family, and and uh, so I'm, I'm not, I've never been a trophy hunter. I've been a meat hunter. Um, but if I find a trophy, I'm going after it, right? Mm -hmm. Well, this antelope in particular, there was three of us chasing this antelope archery, and and uh, none of us could get it in this 
the other guy that brand new to bow hunting comes in with this be the decoy and kills this antelope. It worked great for him. Uh, we were all really surprised that it panned out for him and being a new bow hunter, I was happy to see him, see him harvest that animal. Uh, we made fun of him for it because that's just what we do. But uh, I, he, he was successful with it. I've yeah, never tried it. If it works. Yeah. Mm -hmm. John Dudley uses that, doesn't he? <clears throat> He's a big proponent of the be the decoy so. hat. But that guy can shoot an antelope at 120 yards right. without even blinking. So, Well, if you're archery hunting, you better be practicing, especially for antelope, because your average shot's 60 to 80 yards. Yep. Yeah. And based on the practice that you observed me last night <laughs> or two nights ago, what do you think my maximum distance is right now? 15 yards. <laughs> <laughs> I had a one-inch group at 20 last night when I corrected myself. 25, but I, you ought to be good. I think I lost about $40 in arrows you're, you're two nights ago. <laughs> I don't know what happened. I think Adam adjusted the site, the site level. Well, for the brand new hunter, the one thing to know about antelope, and you guys brought it up earlier, you will not beat their eyes. No. Uh, especially if there's more than one. Uh, all my spot and stock, I'm on my belly, and I may be crawling for eight, 900 yards, and you never know what you're going to come face to face with when you're laying on the ground in the hot weather it could be bull snakes and everything else but it's a uh, yeah um that's the fun of it you don't know what's going to happen i've blown more stocks with just trying to draw my bow back yep. you will not you will not beat their eyes i had a group of 15 or 18 of them come to a water hole they were all within 20 yards the one year i tried i think three or four different times to draw my bow and one of those does would catch me every time and eventually they spooked, and I shot the buck at 45 yards. But it's, it's incredible. And they can see almost all the way around them. They catch everything. I'm going to pause while these dogs... Okay, we're back. I had to break. The, uh, the dogs are going crazy. We're in my garage right now. Um, that's also why the audio might be a little jacked up. The original plan was to be outside on the patio where the audio was going to be better. But, of course, as soon as the guys got here to record, the wind picked up, and all you would have heard was just a blown-out recording. So, uh, for the future podcasts with guests, don't worry. I'm going to get another mic, and you'll actually have decent audio to listen to. So, that being said, we were talking about uh, you, Brandon, low-crawling mm -hmm. into, into antelope. Have you... I've always kind of been told with deer an antelope specifically that if you're lower than they are they don't consider you an immediate threat have you ever found that to be true or is it just depends on the animal uh, i've never really heard that before i do know that you like i said you're not gonna beat their eyes they see movement the whole harem is gonna start yes. trying to figure out what the heck's going on over there <laughs> which is why you, you're gonna blow more stocks than you're ever gonna be successful in and I mean, during um, six or seven stocks a day, if you get lucky to get that many, you're probably going to blow all of them. Um, one thing that I've found is, uh, you know, if you can get close enough within archery range, I, I'll roll over on my back, draw my bow, get my anchor and everything set up, and then I'll just set up and try to get them in my sights before they spook. Uh, it's, the, it's about the only way I've been able to draw my bow. I've killed elk like that stocking in close on my belly, rolling over on my back, drawing my bow. Um, 
good core strength, I guess. But yeah, set for up those on. of us who don't have abs of steel, <laughs> I'm not saying I, <laughs> and a bit of a barrier around the waistline. I am a middle-aged man who likes whiskey. <laughs> he's also about six foot five, so he's got a long torso. <laughs> Me, not so much. If I try to sit up at my waist level, I'll barely be over the grass. <laughs> <laughs> I have to be on my knees. Somebody asked me the other day why I work out, and it's not for my health. It's for, <laughs> it's for hunting, and that's the only reason. And that's, that's why I've been hitting it harder the last couple of weeks is because I'm not where I want to be. And when it comes time for elk season, especially when you're doing – I probably – Average anywhere from 8 to 10 easily a day, 8 to 10 miles down in the breaks. That's rough country. And physical fitness that I talked about on maybe the last podcast, probably the first one too, is clutch. That exercise bike, surprisingly, that I've been using a lot has built up my leg strength phenomenally. Hiking up a hill now after been two or three months on the bike, that's that's helped me out a lot for physical physical fitness. But uh so let's just say you're out. So for antelope, it's not a it's not a morning hunt or an evening hunt, right? It's any time of the day. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you go out what time what t if you have the day off from work, you're gonna go antelope hunting. What are you doing if you're not sitting in a tree stand? So if I'm spotting stalking for the day. I am anti-road hunting, uh, big time. It's not my thing. But antelope is one of those things where you can drive around and look at an antelope laying in the middle of a field, and it's flat as paper, and you just drive right by that one because you're not stalking him. So you're kind of driving around looking for stalks, you know. And before the season, you're going around getting as much permission as you can, or hunting BLM or hunting state, and you're just you're driving around looking for antelope that you can actually stalk, and then you spend the next however many hours trying to make that stock work, using the terrain, crawling, staying behind things. And then you, you know, you crawl for four hours and you're almost there. And then a doe stands up to take a leak. And then she sees you. And as soon as she sees you, the whole herd stands up and then it's over. But my first several years, it was from daylight till dark, stock after stock, as many as you can get in a day. And uh, you spend a lot of time in your belly. I'm going to pause and put the dog inside. All right. Sorry. Another break. The dog's inside. No more barking, hopefully, unless the neighbor's dogs come out. And that's a whole different story. All right. So that's how you typically plan a stalk if you're not going to be sitting at a tree stand. Yeah, just driving around or checking areas that I have permission for and find an antelope and then making stalks. But the one thing I've heard guys say... One guy that hunts antelope quite a bit, and it surprised me when he said it, was that antelope can't smell. You don't have to worry about it. I completely disagreed, and I actually told him that. I said, maybe I stink, but I've had antelope wind me walking behind blinds. I've had the wind shift. I've also had them hit my ground scent where I've walked into a blind and spook just as bad as a whitetail does. Hmm. So antelope can definitely smell. You definitely have to play the wind, and that factors into where I set up my blind or stand or how I approach my stalks. Yeah, I can't imagine that there you would have a weak sense of smell i their their eyes are their number one right sense but i i would imagine scent would be number two i've, I've they, definitely uh, seen antelope wind me I, I know that's what the situation was be sitting there perfectly still and all the heads turn off when the wind shifts you, you know they can smell mm -hmm. yeah i the you know 
they say that the the eyesight is their number one sen sense, but the other thing that confuses me about antelope is you can wave white flags or t-shirts or even, you know, the work truck is white. And if you stop, sometimes they will approach the vehicle or they don't care that you're parked right next to them in a white vehicle. And that's another thing that I've, I, you can't flag in Montana. You're not allowed to flag with white. No? No. It, the regulate, I'm, I'm pretty sure you're not allowed to. I'll have to clarify the regs, but I'm fairly certain that you're not allowed to flag for antelope. Doesn't say anything about wearing white. Yeah. That was my plan. If I'm gonna if I'm gonna put on that predator decoy, I was gonna wear some tan pants and a white t shirt and just put that decoy on in front of me and walk slowly. Mm -hmm. Try to get in. You know, I've I've if you don't know the company or if you don't follow them on Instagram. They've got some good videos out. They've got a YouTube channel where they're put down some films that guys do-it-yourself hunt films post and they repost. But these guys, Ultimate Predator Decoy, make decoys for antelope, deer, elk. They have cow, like uh, cattle decoys that you can put on front of your bow. And you can put them on, on your bow. You can put them on your tripod. Um, you can just hold them, have somebody hold them behind you or in front of you and use that. They, they're pretty cool. It's kind of like a Montana decoy, but they, is that what they're called? The ones that make mm -hmm. the elk? I believe so. Yeah, Montana decoy, which I have. The only problem with Montana decoy is a lot of theirs, they don't mount to your system. They have, they have pegs that you put into the ground and they're kind of tough to, to carry around, especially if you're trying to bow hunt. By yourself for sure. You yeah. Know, buddy, yeah. Good luck holding that thing on a windy day. I think I've seen someone strap it to the front of their barrel where your bipod would go. But even then, that's on a rifle. And even then, you don't want to be holding your rifle straight in front of you for a stalk to get close for a shot. So, I mean, they're good if you have someone helping you. They're good if you can get animals to come in. But the Predator decoy, I think, is great just because there's, they're lightweight. They collapse throw them right on top of your bow. They have a couple different ways you can mount them. And, you know, I've I've used the cow elk one a couple times on, on bull elk in the brakes. And they don't run, but they haven't really come in. So you can get close with one on, but, you know, the brakes is a whole different story. Elk is a whole different hunting technique. But I really do think there's a couple videos they've been posting on how to use the antelope decoy. And really, they say, is once you find the group of antelope that you want to hunt, present it right away and then make it disappear with yourself. And then move in a little bit, try to use some hills, pop the decoy up again, make it disappear. You don't want them focused on it the entire time because, like you said, if their eyes are as good as they say, which they are. They claim to have eight power binocular vision. I've heard several people say that. Yeah, you know, flash it. Let them see it and then make them curious. If they're just sitting there figuring you out, they're going to figure you out eventually. They're going to know something's not right. Why is that antelope 200 pounds and six feet long? You know, they're, they're going to have to figure it out. So but, when, uh, when I was in New Mexico, the game and fish would come out and do a herd census and give the landowner however many tags that they felt like could be harvested off their land. <clears throat> 
when I was there as a landowner, I was farming back in, back in those days. They'd give me so many tags and then I could turn around and sell them for what I wanted. So I guided a lot of antelope hunters. Being in Northeast New Mexico, that's kind of antelope haven for that state. You brought up the white flag, the decoys, things like that. Antelope are super curious. I've had a lot of luck just waving a white t-shirt or even a plastic Walmart sack and then taking it down, hiding it. And it always seems to draw them in. The decoys, especially during the rut, flash that thing, hide it. Their curiosity is, you know, yeah. curiosity killed the cat. They always seem to, to come in, at least close the distance a little bit with that. Is there um, an indicator that they sense a threat. The one thing I've noticed with antelope is sometimes they'll stomp the stomp their feet. You'll hear them, hear them wheeze. That almost. wheeze, you do that blow. That blow, wheezing. You'll know it when you hear it. Is that their indicator that hey, you're a threat, and I'm trying to establish dominance here? No, that's just Seems a threat. Like then they'll do here. that other chirpy challenge snort that they do. You throw a decoy up. A lot of times they'll do that, and then. A lot of times they'll break and come after they make that sound too. Have you ever used um, a mouth call for antelope? They sell one. I never have. I have a Primo's one, yeah. but I don't. I've I've never been able to make the sound from it that mm -hmm. antelope make. No. Yeah. You know I I have pretty good ears to judge pitch and tone, and <laughs> I don't know if I'm just blowing on this thing wrong, but. It, it doesn't sound anything like <laughs> the antelope that I hear. It's kind of like a turkey gobble call. Nobody makes one that actually sounds like a gobble. But... <laughs> yeah, they're a little different. They respond to a, a ton of different sounds. Yeah. But yeah, that I don't know how. I, I still I think if you've got some type of decoy, if you're going to try and spot and stalk, call, you're not going to call them in like an elk. No. The, the call might help if you've got like that predator system, that decoy system. It might help bring them in. And you'll see videos on YouTube of guys calling them in. But honestly, I I think my route this year is going to be the decoy to start and then try to find water. But we've, you know, I've been scouting the last week trying to find where the water still is. And I've called three places now to try to get permission because there's not a lot of public land up here. And all of them have said no. So It's, it's going to be a tough year. For water i've got water holes that sometimes have water and they don't and then i've got ones that normally do have water and they don't it's an extremely dry year so finding water is definitely gonna be key with it being as hot as it's been the last month water drying up you're gonna find antelope around water like it's just like any other you have to eat and drink so do antelope um, what I've always done in the past is find a water hole that I felt like was going to be there through the season and then called every landowner within a, I don't know, two mile radius and getting permission. <clears throat> sometimes you're lucky, sometimes you're not. But, uh, even when I was helping hunters in down South, I put them on water. Everything's got to drink. Mm -hmm. It's just having the patience to stay <clears throat> there when they're not consistent. They're not consistent drinkers. Absolutely. On years like this, though, when there's only one water hole within a couple miles, like that's when I'm willing to sit from daylight till dark 
Because I know eventually they're going to have to come. And when you when you use the tree stand and or the blind, you're out there pre... Before, yeah, way before daylight. Yeah, because I get a lot of pictures right at first light. And you want to be set up and ready to yep. go. If, you, if you're starting your hike, because you definitely don't want to park your truck anywhere close that they can see no. you. No. That's a no. giveaway. No, that video last year, I think I say what time I'm walking in, and then I was in there 10, 15 minutes, settled in before even legal shooting time. Yeah. Because I like to pull the cards when I get in there, too, and then I'll sit there in the dark and look at them to see what, what's been the action the last couple of days. I'm the same way. If I'm blind hunting, I'm in before the sun comes up. Wear a black shirt if I'm sitting in the blind, and mm -hmm. then I'll throw you know my camo in the truck. Um, but I have also sitting in a blind where it's so dang hot that I've been sitting there in my underwear. So <laughs> yeah. you generally don't have anything on the bottom. Yeah, that's but gonna that's sure. that's how it's gonna mm -hmm. be this year. I shot my antelope last year. It was 97 degrees, oh. and Brendan was gonna hunt that blind after me, so I packed it out whole. So I did everything as fast as I could. It was probably less than 45 minutes until I got that thing gutted. You know, I threw it in the truck, drove it. And was gotten it, and that thing, it was already bloating. Like, I had to move quick. Yeah, and that's another thing to talk about is proper field dressing of an antelope. Yeah. Antelope are totally different than mule deer and elk as far as how quick you need to get the cat the, the hide off. Yep. You need to, you need to hopefully have ice in a cooler in your truck waiting for you to be successful. Field dress it right away. As soon as you see that there's no more movement and you're very confident that that thing is down and out, you go ahead, because you don't want to bump one, then it's really going to taint the meat. The meat's going to be stressed out. It's going to be tense. Yeah. It's going to be tough meat. Uh, so yeah, make for, make for certain that that antelope is dead. Field dress it right away and get the hide off as quick as you can. If, if that means having to debone it on the spot and put it in some bags, bring it back to the truck. That's what you need to do. Hopefully you have permission to drive out there and pick it up and you can just throw the entire thing into a big cooler. I've got a 120 quart igloo cooler. They're not expensive. They're like 60, 70 bucks. And I put my entire antelope in it two years ago with just being field dressed. It fit in there. They're not very big. You're gonna get probably 35 pounds off of a buck. 40 pounds of meat maybe yeah, yeah. something like that so i i think that antelope tastes better than deer i don't think it tastes better than elk elk's my favorite but antelope kind of has like that sweeter taste to it and it's always super tender the only antelope that i've tried to eat that i could just could not was two years ago the buck that i shot and i don't know if it was sick or what the issue was it was probably 10 below when i shot it i it died 10 feet from the road i drove up to the to the animal threw it in my truck and then i had to drive a couple hours to get to a butcher that could do it and she probably threw it in her butcher shop where it warmed up a little bit and didn't take the hide off till the following day if you leave that hide on for too long it's not going to taste good Everyone that I've talked to that says that they've had bad antelope, when I ask them, how long have you left that hide on for? When did you, where did you hang it? When did you take the hide off? They'll, they'll tell me overnight. Yeah. It needs to be off right away. Or if they'll you, chase it with their truck for yeah, know, an hour before they shoot it. If you stress the thing out, it's yeah. going to taste like shit, as is any animal. It's going to yep. be tough. Your, your 
the adrenaline glands are just gonna you're just stressing the animal out it's not gonna taste good everybody that tells me antlers bad i tell them you know have me cook you a steak yeah because you say that but down south yeah. where they have nothing to eat but yucca and yeah sage. it is re- region specific <laughs> yeah but up here man, it's all grain and stuff and alfalfa and... i'll tell you what i didn't like antelope to begin with until i moved to montana and they have a lot better feed up here mm-hmm. yeah now it's one of my favorites <clears throat> between me and my wife we've killed over 15 of them and it's her favorite meat it's probably a tie for me with elk but they're super good yeah but like i said we got them right away and get them cooled down if i'm going to hunt all day or if I'm going to sit all day, I take a cooler full of ice. If I go out in the evening or something and shoot one and it's hot, I'm gutting it and I'm tying its legs open on the way home and driving as fast as I can to get it cooled down. Yeah. I even take my bags of ice and pack that body cavity yep. with it. Especially when it's 97 degrees. or Yeah. That's that's going to be the hardest part about the next... The 10-day forecast right now, I think the lowest temperature I saw for our area is like 87, 88. Yeah. So... Hopefully, you shoot it in the morning or in the evening, and you're not too far from your truck that's packed with ice. Because yeah. you definitely don't want to waste the meat. You don't want it to be inedible. You want to be able to enjoy it. And Unfortunately, the buck that I shot two years ago, I couldn't eat it. You tried it. I gave it to you. You've ate some pretty yeah, gross I'm, things. Yes. And even you couldn't eat it. That I, thing said, t- I told him, oh, antelope is good. Don't throw it away. And I tried it, and there was something wrong with that one. Yeah, it that was. was... I wonder if she, your butcher, let it. I think it. she let it hang. She had it. She had it wrapped Sick. and frozen in two days. I shot it on a Friday, and she said, called me and said it was ready on Sunday. Are you sure it's your antelope? It's like she tried to uh, marinate that thing with your tarsal gland. It's, it's tough to say. I would imagine because this. So antelope season for rifle in Montana will start earlier than general deer and elk. General deer and elk started on Saturday. I shot that antelope the Friday before. So she didn't have any animals in there. And I was the only antelope that she had been given. So I'd imagine it was my buck. I just can't understand how the animal could have tasted that bad. Mm. I mean, it was like you took the meat and marinated it in its own stomach acid. Yeah. And I didn't gut shot it. I I shot it right behind the shoulder. That video is on my YouTube channel. You should check it out. <laughs> Apparently, no one likes uh, antelope hunting videos, except for yours. <laughs> Mine is sitting at like 300 views, I think. Yours is at 10,000 plus probably by now. If you want to see one shot out of a tree? I, apparently, yeah. That's Check that one out because that's a, that's a pretty cool video. Uh, you know, is that the... You have a couple successful antelope hunts on YouTube, right? Yeah. Yeah. I've only got the rifle, the rifle hunts, but... Uh, I'm hoping to change that this year and, and get some decent footage with that GoPro. That's another thing. Solo filming is so hard to do. Yep. I mean, if, if you either you you come to a point where it's either I'm gonna get the kill shot on or I'm not. You know what? I'm how am I gonna? You, you give me crap all the time because half the videos I shoot don't have kill shots. Right. Yeah, I won't do one. <laughs> if I had shot. somebody to help me film, it would be every yep. single time, but. You know, oh, I, you're bragging. <laughs> <laughs> that big white tail <clears throat> two years ago, I milked that thing. He was walking all the way to me, gets like 100 yards, and then dumps over a bank. I abandoned ship. That one didn't get caught on film. Took off the dead run and shot him. <laughs> it's not easy. You got it. Your boy's going to be old enough soon. I yeah. filmed my bear last year. 
Yeah, he did. He actually did a really good job on that, too. Yeah, I told him to stay on it, and he followed it along. Listen, we're here to promote the Highland Hunter oh, YouTube page, not the Adam Kaiser YouTube page. <laughs> What's your YouTube page, Kaiser? <laughs> we're actually, what? how many viewers or subscribers are you at now on YouTube? It's still not there. We're, 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 we're close. Yeah, we're going to throw them out on the table and have a measuring cup. <laughs> <laughs> I film all my stuff because, I mean, I grew up hunting with my dad, and he's not here. I mean, he's still alive. I make it sound like he's dead. <laughs> But he's in Pennsylvania, so he likes to see all my stuff that me and the kids do and my buddies, and so I get to show him all that stuff. Yeah. And then, like my channel says, so when I'm old and in diapers, I can show people and my grandkids stuff other than just a picture. Yeah, it's nice to have those Save memories. memories. Yeah. yeah. I, I think I grew up in a different generation where cameras weren't readily available, so I don't film anything. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I'm not, not saying that you're old, but I'm saying the older generation it almost frowns on it. Yeah. Frowns upon people filming yeah. and sharing that kind of stuff. Yeah. I filmed my dad I, and uncle. They were very uncomfortable. But yeah, I've got you on camera, though, too, shooting a bull. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Six foot five guy crawls through six inch grass for 300 yards. It can be done. <laughs> so you guys give me crap for being average height, but I can blend in. When it comes anyway. to stalking, you've got it made. <laughs> you've got it. I've just got to shoot. I've got a width there. issue, not a not yeah. a vertical issue. I've never seen a guy tiptoe to look over a sagebush, but you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You can hide that tumbleweed. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's think. What else? What else? What other pointers? Give if someone's coming. Let's say someone's coming from out of state. And maybe this is their first hunt out of state to hunt antelope. What do they need to do when they come out here? They've done their research. They know where they want to hunt. They know there's antelope in the area. There's there's public land. Most of the if you're coming from out of state, unless you know somebody, you're hunting large swaths of public land. Yeah. So, <clears throat> what does that person need to do in order to make it a successful trip? Find terrain that is stockable. If it's early season, either hunt water or Hunt hilly terrain because flat stuff's tough. Decoying is very tough at the opener. Like they'll either run or they'll just stare at it and kind of go away. They're not confrontational yet. Once they get into the rut, it can get, sometimes it can get easy to where I made a giant loop on a herd one time, got above them on a hill, peeked over, and the, the herd buck was chasing another buck off. And I waited until he was coming back to throw the decoy up. And the buck he chased off actually ran probably 600 yards to make a loop, and I lost him, and I kind of didn't pay attention to him because I was looking at the bigger one down at the bottom, and that other buck popped up 40 yards to my left, and I swung, and I shot that buck. He wasn't bad. He wasn't the big one, but he was good enough. But yeah, there's sometimes I'll try to run you over if you can get him in that, that span, but also if you get too late, you get to the end of September. Like I had a couple buddies come out last year. It was too late for decoying. It didn't work at all. They were kind of locked down. It was kind of satellite bucks, almost like elk, that were with the does that hadn't been bred, apparently. And mm. they were just locked down. They wouldn't come to a decoy, and they had one doe that they would corner, and the only way was to crawl in on them. It's a fun season. It definitely gets you ready. And if you spend, like the first five years I did, just spotting, stalking, every day I had off, sun up to sundown, and then you go spot a mule deer. As long as the wind's right, mule deer are pretty darn easy compared to an antelope as far as their eyesight and everything else yeah. goes. Yeah, it's good practice to get ready for, oh, for sure. elk and yeah. deer, which is why I'm, I'm glad it starts about, what, two weeks early? Two yeah. weeks before deer and elk, so it's a good, uh, good warm-up. 
but the uh i if you're gonna hunt the public land hopefully there's area there's there's land in the area that is cropped and either has some type of food on food source if you can find those private lands that butt up against public lands and the ones that have crops on them those are good places to look too and the one thing i've noticed is if they're if you're let's just say you're doing an evening hunt you know they're going to water they're headed that direction <clears throat> they follow a single line for the most part there there's a couple outliers maybe those like i would call satellite bucks the smaller ones but all the does and the big ones seem to kind of just follow in a straight line and they take the same trail almost every time Fence crossings so here's a little <clears throat> a little tip for you and fences and i was gonna bring up fences antelope will go through a fence in the same spot 99% of the time, unless they're spooked. Mm -hmm. They'll find that one little crossing, and they'll go through it every single time. If you can find, scout them, find where they're going through that fence. If you're coming in and you only have a weekend to hunt, um, sit on that fence crossing. I've, I've shot a lot of antelope just sitting at their fence crossing. Um, they're habitual, seems like, whenever they're, moving and crossing fences you'll you'll get lucky if you're coming from out of state and you've got time to hunt bring your blind find your water set your blind up play the stock spot and stock game for the first three or four days while your blinds getting seasoned and they're getting used to coming in and there's no threat with your blind sitting there gets down to crunch time sit in your blind all day mm -hmm. they gotta water especially when it's this hot yeah you definitely want your blind out ahead of time i'm way behind the curve this year i was out of town but I've, I've put a blind out the same day and had antelope stand at 600 yards for f four hours and stare at my blind. They definitely need some advanced time. The buck I shot last year, I think he was new to the area, the area because I had other antelope come to the blind and they were fine with it to the water hole. And that buck, he stared at my blind for an hour and embedded for probably three hours just staring at the blind and then finally came in real twitchy and finally watered, but he like... You know, he'd lower his head to drink. He'd jerk it up. He left the water hole twice before he actually drank. And they're just, they're very spooky. So I think water holes, they feel vulnerable. They mm -hmm. feel like they're going to get ambushed there. They so know they have twitchy. to go there. Right. They know they have to, and they feel vulnerable there. And then that whole eight power binocular vision thing, I think that hurts them up close because they mm -hmm. can't cross fences. They're terrible at cross fences. You'll see them act like idiots running back and forth. And uh, when they can find a place that they cross and they feel comfortable, that's where they always cross. They say antelope don't jump fences. I've seen it a dozen times now. I've seen it. They actually, I mean, they will. But most of the time, they don't. Right? They have a hard time crossing through five-strand fences. Really bad. So if you can find where they're actually doing it, that's where they prefer to do it. And that, it's as good as a water hole. If you can find, like you said, about private fields to public bedding or whatever, where they cross back and forth, if you can find that crossing, it's as good as a water hole. So if somebody's got if someone has a week to hunt antelope out here and they find a watering hole first day they put a, a blind up about how many days should they wait to come I'd back it, and hunt it, it two or three days at least and yeah. two or three I mean when I'm safe and I'm here I like to give it 10 to 14 I'll yeah be, but I'll be real honest I'm throwing my blinds up like in the July yes and giving it like two weeks to season yeah. I say season let it sit there and let them get used to it yeah mm -hmm. So the end of July, I've got my water hole picked out. I kind of have my one water hole that I like to hunt over with a couple others as backups. But And that one's dried up? <clears throat> and that one's 
pretty dang close to being dry. Mm-hmm. I'll give it another two weeks, three weeks, and it'll be dry if it stays like this. Yeah. If you want to hunt the first week of the season, you probably want to hunt water. Decoying is a little bit iffy then, and it's obviously 90, 90 some degrees later in the season. The beginning of September kind of starts the whole decoy and stuff. Yeah. You can kind of gauge them. You'll drive around. You'll see bucks chasing bucks. You'll just see a dirt trail going because they can run. I think they say 60 miles an hour. Yeah. You see a dirt trail going. And, man, they chase each other for miles. I've seen bucks already. I had a buck coming in one year to a water hole, and I watched his head go up, and he started doing that challenge chirpy blow. He took off. I looked out the back of the blind, and there's a tiny little buck. He had to be a mile away from the skyline, and he ran all the way to that buck, chased him over the horizon, and was gone. They get very territorial at some point. I got real lucky last year on that. (laughs) I pull in. I always park a couple miles away and either walk in or I have an e-bike. I'm on on private land, so I can use my e-bike. And so I parked about two miles from my water hole and and uh, was jumped in the back of the pickup to unload my e-bike. And I look up and I see just an ear, kind of over the horizon, a little hill in between us where my I hid my truck and pull out my binos and I'm like man there's a herd of antelope right there so I jump down and crouch down behind my pickup and get my bow out and you know shut the door real soft so they can't hear it and I take off around this hill and as I came around the hill here they come they're coming right towards me so of course you knock an arrow and drew back and that buck walked 40 yards for me spot and stock game I just got really lucky yeah that's probably the luckiest I've ever been with antelope spot and stock um shot him probably 200 yards from my pickup I he he just was on the line headed to water that morning and that's the only reason I got him I was just happened to be intercepting him in between his line from where they bedded for the night and were on their way to water and that's I think I talked about it in the first episode luck it's like when it comes to archery hunting sometimes you just get lucky you know you either need to hit everything 100% or you just get that little bit of luck and it puts the animal the animal right in front of you where it needs to be and yeah you capitalized on that for sure last year i mean you didn't have to drive all the way out there or on your bike not that i guess it's an e-bike it wouldn't have been that hard but sit all day in a in a blind and sweat your balls off i did set that blind for first couple days of course i got bored I, i knew where they were at i mean it's private land i'm out there all the time uh so I would do the spot and stop game because I'd get bored sitting in the blind and it mm-hmm. wasn't successful. It was getting down to the last couple of days and, you know, it's time to sit the blind. So yeah, if you want to be successful, sit your blind, sit your tree stand, whatever you have. But like I said, I get bored really easy, so I'm going to go play a little bit. That's You got to make it fun. Have two plans to have, to have, have your spot and stock plan and your water hole set up. Yep. And your chances are just going to be. Adam and I have worked together. We'll find different water holes and set Mm -hmm. each other's blinds up. And if one's successful on one and there's more bucks, we. If mine's not panning out, I'll go, go to his spot and vice versa. Yeah. Most days, if I sit, all day in a blind, I'm not sitting in the blind the next day. I'm going spot and stalking. Yeah. Because it does it wears on you. There's only so much podcasting you can do sitting in the blind. Yeah. So yeah, something so much to, sweating you can do. Yeah. It's 98 degrees. <laughs> yep. Yeah. No, I, I think that that's all, I think, really good information. Uh, you, you've Like you said, you've shot like 10 with your bow. 
and you've shot a bunch and I've only been successful with rifle but the concepts are the same you know just combining how I hunt antelope with how I spot and stalk archery elk and mule deer and just figuring it out as it goes if you if you're not learning every year you're you know, I guess you're I wouldn't say you're regressing but every time I've been out hunting I've learned something new yeah it's, mm -hmm. it's always evolving and, and I'd say as, as I said on that podcast it that's what I consider success if you do 99 out of 100 things the right way and you just happen to miss the last one I mean you're you're successful mm -hmm. if you get a 70 out of 100 on an exam you still pass right right 99 on a test someone said you aced it you did great but you didn't get 100 100 percent is taking the animal home and you're definitely learning something why didn't i get to 100 percent what did i do did i oh the wind was it to my back and i didn't even notice it till it was too late well now you know the next time make sure the wind's in, in front of you yep. or at least angled off um all those little things that you just accumulate over the years, all those little tidbits of information, they, they'll they build you up to the point of you finally being successful. It took me six years to shoot an elk with my bow. And it, I shot it by 2 o'clock in the afternoon on my first day at the hunt. I was kind of bummed in, in the sense that I block off 10 days to hunt elk, and my hunt is now done at 2 o'clock in the afternoon on day one. <laughs> I mean, super stoked that I shot the elk. Finally, I got it. I, I was with my brother. And then all the hard work came of butchering it and hiking it out three miles one way. Yep. But it's like, well, I guess we're going home now. And that was, like, I guess, a blessing in disguise because two, day two days later, I shot that muley buck. Yep. So I'll take luck any day. Yeah. yeah. So I'm hoping that the, the luck continues this year. I feel like I'm, well, you know, my shooting's been a little bit weak <laughs> the last couple days, but I'll make it work. I'm going to keep practicing and make sure I've got everything dialed in. And I'm going to set my, my limitations. If if I'm not shooting well in practice at 50 and 60, I'm keeping my maximum at 40. That's one of the good things about sitting over water is... It's a controlled you, environment. You can get them within 20 yards. Yep. Most of my shots are under 25 at a water hole. That's kind of why I like it. I've shot antelope at stupid ranges, but I prefer I prefer 25 yards and in. That's nice. Well, you did smoke that one antelope at how far? The second <clears throat> shot? So I missed an antelope and thought I hit it and it bedded down at 92. And I gave it a half hour and it wasn't doing anything. So then I shot it at 92 and it turned out to be the first hole that was in it. <laughs> But yeah. you practice that far. I do. I, I love to practice to 105, 110, stuff like that. It's it's fun to do. Shoot little balloons at that distance. But yeah. If you can make a 105-yard shot, that 41's easy. Right. Oh, yeah. That's why, I, you know, once I hit 60 yards, once I'm dialed in for 60, mm -hmm. I don't shoot less than 60. I'll shoot a couple <clears throat> like, um, you know, the other day I was shooting not even numbers, like 27 yards, yeah. 39 um, 44 yards, things like that. Mm -hmm. Try to practice that. And then, of course, uphill and downhill shooting. I can do that in my backyard. The um, But, yeah, 
practicing at a maximum range and then being consistent there. If you can hit a 12-inch plate, paper plate or a 10-inch paper plate at 60 yards, everything sooner than closer than that, yeah. you're going to be you, you should be hitting realistically. Well, the last thing I want to do is chase a wounded animal all over the country. Yeah. Uh, yeah. trying to make phone calls for permission to recover your animal all that. Like I'd rather just make a lethal shot and be done with it watch them tip over that's a thing that i had to learn to do that's one of the early bow hunters you want to take that shot so bad and you do you take it you take that bad shot you rush that shot Mm -hmm. you slam the trigger if you got that trigger release and you miss 20 or 30 yard shots or you wound an animal and that feeling sucks now i've done it I, i last year my ninth or tenth year of bow hunting and i screwed up that eight yard shot I don't know what happened to that arrow. I I think it hit some some brush that was in the way, but I should have waited longer. He he wasn't giving me the best of shots, but I'm thinking eight yards. This whitetail buck is going to pop off any second, and I rushed it. I really did. So, mm-hmm. you know, don't rush those shots and have realistic goals on what distances you're going to shoot. If you're only practicing forty yards, don't take a sixty yard shot. Yep. If you haven't, it's it's not going to work out for you. It'll just lead to more problems. Yeah, yeah. you're either going to wound an animal or the arrow's going to go where you don't want it to. God forbid it's on someone else's property. Now you got a sharp razor broadhead sitting in someone's property. It's just stuff you don't want to deal with. So, Or you get, lose a $40 arrow. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I've lost. Look at you. You can see the arrows in the trash can right there. I lost a couple the other night. but I've had a rancher tell me that they found broadheads in their tires before in their tractors. Yeah. I have, I've heard the same They're thing. They're not a fan of bow hunters because of that. Yeah, and then you got to go tell them the, the next day, hey, I know you just told me, but uh, there is a broadhead out there somewhere. Yeah, you try <laughs> your best to find it, but you know, pastors, sometimes they skip. Yeah. So, well, if you have you guys got any other pointers or, I mean, be, I'm, I'm excited. Be patient on the antelope. They'll drive you nuts. Yeah. But be patient. If you can get somewhere where you can. You might have to lay there three, four hours, but it'll work out. Yeah. You can't rush anything with antelope. If you try to push the issue, they, they see you. It's ridiculous. You know, you're you're not going to beat their eyes, so patience. Never. If you got a stock where you can crawl to a hill, don't lift your head up to look to see if they're still there. They're yeah. still there. Because if you lift your head, somebody's going to see you. Mm-hmm. Slow movement. Yep. Just out of sight movement. Yeah. For sure. Definitely. I would say use the terrain, use the wind in your favor, go slow, and find water. Yep. I've had that issue also where you just get so excited, you're moving way faster than you should. And a lot of the times it's been with another partner where they're like, dude, you're making so much noise. Why are your pants so loud? Yeah. Why are you stepping on every twig? Oh, I didn't even notice that I was like making yeah. so much noise. I saw an animal and I wanted to go get it and get yep. closer. You have more time than you think. Yes. Always slow down. I had two buddies last year that were wearing the identical set of pants and they were new. They were awesome. They were so loud. It was like, you know, two tarps rubbing together when they walked. So test your gear out. Know if it's loud or not. No, if you have to walk bow legged like you've been riding a horse. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, good point. Go try your stuff on before you buy it and see how loud it's going to be. Yeah. yeah. Bring extra big socks because if you're going to stalk without your boots on, cactus yeah. Cactus suck. Watch where you're stepping. I've had them drop me like a sniper before. 
and that's yeah. that's a whole i think that's a whole other podcast is specifically how to spot and stalk yeah taking talking the your, boots off is talking your, into your socks yeah not having pants that rub together and swish yeah i think um adam adam and brendan and i we we all work together and we live in the same town so for the future podcasts i plan on talking to you guys more about mm-hmm. elk hunting when it gets closer to i mean we're only two weeks away from opening day uh mule deer hunting whitetail hunting all that stuff um i want to pick your guys brains on that and get some good information out too but you guys had some really good pointers and experiences so uh i think i I, adam actually brought this up in the past and if you're putting your cameras up a little tip stick them right next to the water when you put them in and that'll kind of judge how fast you're losing water yep you can kind of see as it recedes If you're, whatever you stake you use to put your camera in, set it right next to the water. And as your water recedes, and you can kind of be like, well, it's been four days. Yep. It's receded a foot. Well, in the next four days, it might be another foot. You can kind of use that to judge. Yeah. That's early preseason. <clears throat> yeah. And then you might have to switch. That's a good indicator to switch water holes. Absolutely. Yeah, if you sink that thing at water line, and, you, you know, I don't check mine every day, obviously. Every five, seven days, you go there, and it's down 10 feet. Like, man, this thing's shrinking quick. There might be nothing left. I've killed antelope on water holes that were good that only had literally six feet of water left. I killed one, the one that spooked at the blind, and I shot at 45. That thing, it was a good water hole. It kept shrinking, and it was down to literally six feet of water, like six feet by like three feet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You helped me set that blind. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you can gauge how quick they're going, and, you know, oh, I can't hunt for 10 days. Well, it's probably going to be dry, like, Nick killed one that year out of the tree stand. I was out of town, and a week later, I went and hunted that thing. It was bone dry. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah have a backup plan. Yeah, for sure. Always plan A, B, C, D. Yeah. yeah. But. Especially when it's hot. Yep. And a drought. So, well, good luck to you guys. So uh, you hope I, you're successful this year. I'm going to try and get out after work one of these evenings and try to see how that decoy works. Yeah. Because I work straight through for the next two weeks, really. So I'm going to be, uh, it's going to be pushing it really close to the beginning of deer season. And <laughs> that's pretty much what I'm going to put all my time into. So, uh, yeah, thanks for thanks for joining you guys, as always. Thanks for putting up with my ridiculous questions of non- nonstop questioning. Absolutely. Uh, what are you doing with this? What are you doing here? Yeah, you do ask a lot of questions. I, I ask a shit ton of questions. <laughs> I just get so excited. And I don't have anyone... Like- I Sometimes. don't want to bug the wife about it nonstop. <laughs> Sometimes it's a very long drive to work. All back. right, all right. It's good, good note to end on. Well, but <laughs> you guys subscribe to their YouTube channel. Yeah, I'll put a, a link. The, so the 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 podcast is on Spotify and Google Play. It's about to get put on Apple, and then the Instagram channel is Highline Hunter. I will tag Adam. His is just Adam underscore Kaiser, right? And then maybe a number. Adam I'll tag Kaiser it. Outdoors. Adam Kaiser on hunt on uh, YouTube. Just look for the only hunting page from Adam Kaiser because there's a couple of you guys. And you I'll can tag. Find me uh, on Instagram, Brendan Gallagher one. I'm not a big social media guy, but I'm starting to get into. I do a little horse training and stuff on the side, so I've been filming a lot of that. With a couple new horses I just bought, um, so I've been filming a little horse training and getting ready to maybe post some of that i haven't got that far yet but yeah shoot if you guys want more clarification on anything or you need help you can ask me but 
send these guys a direct message on Instagram and I'm sure they'll be more than willing to, to help you out with some more information or clarification. So don't forget to subscribe, check us out, and thanks for listening.